you're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money Podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick and Colin White, Portfolio Managers with Barrican Capital Management, Inc. Welcome to a very, very impressive and special edition of Bare Naked Money. Colin and Josh here going to tell you what's going to happen this year and maybe what's not going to happen this year and maybe, maybe be a little bit right on some things. I don't know, Josh, I, I, you didn't share your list, which is great because I, I want this list to come out me nice and fresh and I haven't shared my list. So it's going to be nice and fresh. Are, are you excited? You bet. I, I would just correct you with one thing. The intention of these is not to be right necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> this this is a, this is a weird predictions podcast where we don't actually want to be right necessarily with our predictions. What we want to do is be a little bit thought provoking and a little bit conversation provoking, and that's really the way that I've attacked this. Ah, uh, yes. So there comes the disclaimer: this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Do not take anything that we say here as the gospel truth and or bet your life on it because that would be bad. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't don't bet anything on it. Is <laughs> the short one here. <laughs> okay. Where do you want me to start? Give me a general theme and I'll pick out because I my my predictions span a, a variety of different things. All right. So why don't you start with inflation? Is that a big enough of a pool to swim in? I mean, you you bet, you bet. So, I, and I have one that is pretty much bang on with the idea of inflation and, and the topic of inflation. So, my prediction is that Canadian inflation will be under two percent at some point this year. Okay, at some point, like for like five or ten seconds, or like quarters. <laughs> well, let, let let's say the monthly inflation reading. Oh, okay. will be under 2% on an annualized basis at some point through the year, okay? So here, here, here's a bit of my thought process as to how this could come true. So this is predicated on lower interest rates at some point through this year, which we don't know is going to happen for sure, but it seems like that's the, the direction or the path. Shelter is the biggest component of CPI, uh, consumer price inflation. It makes up about 30% of CPI. And if you've looked at CPI numbers over the last, really the most of the last year, the, the biggest increase has come from mortgage interest. If you have interest rates going down, that's going to naturally drag that inflation on mortgage interest down. And being such a big component and such a significant increaser over the past year, um, I don't think it's too hard it's not too much of a stretch to see inflation under 2%. There have been multiple times throughout 2023 where inflation, excluding mortgage interest, has hovered around the 2% mark. So you get mortgage interest coming down to a reasonable level of, of inflation, uh, all of a sudden you could be in that 2% range for the overall inflation reading. Well, as usual, your math is spot on, but you, you may have missed some of the playing field. You know, remember the knock-on effects because inflation has been high. There yep. are people are negotiating higher wages, which is going to cause the price of goods and services to continue to rise. X housing costs. Yeah. But yes, your math in a straight line is absolutely bang on and is one of the leading indicators that we should see inflation be more under control this year. 
but nobody truly has got a grasp on the spiraling costs of that feedback that begins when you see wage inflation kick in and they're therefore causing because wages are a big part of pricing when it comes to services and some manufactured goods. So, you know, there's the, that knock on effect is, is the reverberations, the echo, if you will, of those things going forward, I think is going to be the more interesting thing to look at. Yep. And there's no doubt about that. And you could also take my argument and turn it on its head and say, well, if, if mortgage interest costs are coming down so much, people are just going to spend money on other things and that will drive inflation up in those things. So, my prediction doesn't, it's not without holes. It's not without holes. <laughs> but if I'm going out on a limb, it's something that I think would surprise a lot of people this year. Can I, can I tack a, a prediction on top of your prediction? Go for it. Because I, I, I think you're probably right. I think at some point this year, we will see inflation hit the bank. Now, I'm going to say it differently. I think it's going to hit the central bank target, which is a fungible number because they may change it later this year. But I think they're going to declare victory at some point this year. Okay, And I think by the end of this year, somebody is going to write a paper or there's going to become a, an area of thought. It was like, now, did central banks really do that? Or was it just the supply chain fixing itself? Or was it the money supply? Yeah. You know, was it really these interest rate hikes that actually beat inflation? Or was it just naturally going to play out this way anyway? I think that's going to be the debate that's going to erupt once we declare victory. And I think that should begin to unfold by the end of this year at some point. Yep. And, and that's that's an interesting take. And it would be great if we all controlled our own successes and failures, right? <laughs> and, I know. If we're the central bank, we could say, you know what, we are targeting this all along. And yes, we declare victory. So yeah, <laughs> not all of us have that luxury, but uh, happy they do. Well, I, I think the thing is like, you know, and the reasoning and it's not flawed is like, they're going to take all the blame if we have inflation. So all right, fine, take all the credit. Sure. Even if you didn't really earn it. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe that's share in a big cosmic kind of way. Yeah. Well, my second prediction here, somewhat related to interest rates, real estate. So my thinking is that short-term real estate will be okay. It will be okay. And in the long-term, it's going to be okay, if you know what I mean. And So what I mean by that is I, I, I've kind of, come full circle a little bit. Like I, I thought we were going to see more weakness in real estate, but there has been some, not as materially as I would have expected. But I think that short term now, there's some signs of, of uh, safety, I guess we'll call it, with potentially uh, interest rates coming down. And longer term, I say it will be okay because I don't think we're going to go back to the banner last decade that we've had in real estate, I think it'll tread water maybe for the next five or 10 years and people should be reasonably happy with that. Well, I think that's the danger. I think that's why it's going to be seen as a failure because it's sure. not going to return back to what it was. It's going to muddle along pretty much where it is. My other issue with talking about real estate, like we talk about it as if it's this homogeneous blob and it isn't. There's radical differences across the country in different pockets and different provinces or areas within provinces. Or kind of real estate? Are you talking about residential? Are you talking about multifamily? Are you talking about you know recreational? The, all of these things are dramatically different, and and we we try to cast a net and just make a comment on real estate, and that's that. On average, you know we can comment on it, but the people's reality is going to be very very specific to where they are, uh, both from you know what kind of property they're talking about and where they are. 
you know, geographically. So it's, it's, it's not that easy to make a comment that's actually valuable to anybody in that space, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because doing the research for this podcast yesterday and looking into how CPI on on real estate is calculated, CPI on shelter more specifically, they're taking for the, well, it, it's a, a bunch of different things really. It's actually pretty complicated. They have a full article just on CPI for shelter, which is crazy. But the owned uh, owned real estate inflation is based off of only 20 something markets in Canada. So it's fairly limited. The actual CPI inflation number for shelter might have nothing to do with the the place that you live. Now I'm I'm sure that that tw- those 20 markets capture the vast majority of places where Canadians live, but it's by no means everywhere. Well, it's you know, everything you deal with, you know, in these numbers is an approximation. And, you know, the devil can do the details. And this is where I always challenge people, like the CPI never comes out. And it's not like you when you go to the grocery store, everything's going to be more expensive that day. These are these are things that you've already experienced in your own sphere. Like that this is a measurement of what's already happened. So you know whether you've taken it in or not, this is just the codification of everybody's general experience. Mm-hmm. And it, it's going to have a varying degree of impact on the individual person, except where it comes to things like influence monetary policy, which the interest rate does affect everybody borrows money or everybody borrows money. So, it, you know, there, are, there is an effect there. But the actual, I mean, again, I just bought a TV. This TV is like 20% of the price of the last TV I bought and way, way nicer. So my inflation this month is probably way down. <laughs> yeah, that's, congratulations. <laughs> Are you ready for a Bitcoin prediction? It would be a prediction show without Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So my prediction is that Bitcoin will trade at a higher point this year than at, at some point this year than at any point during 2023. And it will also trade at a lower point at some point this year. Than at any point during 2023. You're predicting increased volatility in the truest sense of the word, both up and down. Uh, I'm, yeah, I guess I don't know if it's increased volatility, but it's just volatility. And I'm kind of cheating. I already got the first half of this one correct. It, we're, we're recording here on January 3rd, and on January 2nd, it hit a it hit a higher point than any point last year. But you're you're you kind of hit the nail on the head. I'm just predicting volatility for for Bitcoin. It. I, I, this is still not for us an investable um, idea, but it does seem to track as a risk asset pretty well. So when people are risk loving, it'll go up. When people are afraid of risk, it'll go down, just like stock markets, but to a more significant uh, extent of volatility. So I'm just kind of playing up on that theme. Well, I, I think and then again, you know, we're here on January the third. You know, reporting this, and I, I was looking today, and apparently it's just fallen significantly today, and it's based on the, the prediction as to whether or not there's going to be an ETF that's allowed to be listed. So, like all of the people who were early adopters who are in are going, oh my god, this is going to become easily available to everybody, and you know, therefore the price of of the, the currencies are going up. But the SEC, and in a startling moment of clarity, appears to be reluctant to allow this to happen. Uh, so you know, I think that this is kind of where the rubber's going to hit the road. The, all of the, the the tough kids, all the anarchists, want access to the big table, 
and you know they're now pitching their cart to the big table. The big table's going, wait a second, I didn't thought you guys wanted any regulation. Well, if you're going to come play at the big table, we're going to have to regulate you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an approach avoidance situation where they want all the spoils of becoming more mainstream, but in doing so, you're going to give up a lot of, I think, what brought people to the table in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have a thought or opinion on how Bitcoin will perform this year other than it will be volatile. Yeah, I'll give you that one. That, that receives my endorsement. All right. Good. So this next one here. I stole the exact same prediction as I did uh, have last year. Now, this year, it's I have a higher hurdle. So my view, bonds will outperform last year's returns. Mm, that's, that, that's all right. All right. You're going so. Yeah. Going now, so. now we're talking. So to give some context, so I made this prediction at the start of 2023, and it was an easy prediction to make because in 2022, bonds had just about the worst uh, returns that they had on history. Uh, depending on which market you're looking at. Uh, in 2023, bond returns were a lot better. Um, the measurement that I have for the Canadian aggregate market was up 6.7%. So essentially, I'm saying here today that we think that, I think anyway, that bonds will outperform that 6.7% number this year. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't looked these numbers up. So 10-year Canadian is creating 4.7% right now. Uh, it's in the threes. While we're talking here, I'll tell you exactly where it is at the moment. Okay, okay, okay. So wow, all right. So it's only going to get you know three something on interest, and you're saying that rates are going to fall enough on the ten year over the year that's going to get to a seven percent return for the year. So the the ten year Canadian bond, government of Canada bond, right now is just around three percent. Um, it, for the, the aggregate market, you're also including some provincial bonds and corporate bonds in there as well. So let's say we're at 4%. I'll give you four. Give 4% you four. yield today. So and I, I think we're pretty you're close. Still, you're planning to pick up 3%, 3%. on interest rate. Wow. Yeah. All right, Josh, I'm not sure if you, if you take, if you started taking new vitamins or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should we have some performance enhancing drug tests for you or something? I mean, that's. Dude, what 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 has made you so so bold all at once? Well, hey, it it, it felt like twenty twenty four had to go a little bit out on a limb, a little bit bold right. this year with the prediction. So, right. yeah, I, I realistically, this is not this is not um, maybe a high probability outcome, but I do think it's a it's there is a probability there that this happens. And if you think of the duration of the Canadian aggregate market. So a measurement of interest rate sensitivity is about seven years at the moment. If you get about a half a percent decrease in interest rates over the course of the year, there's the three plus percent that you need to outperform last year. Yeah, I'm not, all, I'm not, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that it's that's bold, buddy. But you know, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, unlike us, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, so this one's not going to get my endorsement. I'm sorry, you're, you scared me. Well, that's okay. I'm, I'm a little afraid now. And we do have to remind everybody of the disclaimer, don't make this investable necessarily. But again, I just wanted to be thought-provoking in the conversation as to how you could get there. We've had a pretty bad run of returns for five years on the bond market leading up to 2023. It wouldn't be unusual to see a couple more solid years of returns for that market. And and as we've been talking about, bonds are a viable um 
investment for returns above inflation for the first time in maybe 15 years? Well, no, no, listen, absolutely. And, and I think that uh, it's, it's not a completely impossible thing to have happen. And, you know, given that the market January of last year had priced in two interest rate cuts last year, and they never did happen. And the market is, I got to check the figures recently, but I suspect they're still pricing in interest rate cuts this year. Um, now the market's wrong last year. Now, whether it's going to be more more right or less wrong this year, I mean, to be seen. But you, you have a lot of people in your corner who would say, yes, Josh, you know, you could, you're going to be able to pick up that half a point without too much difficulty. Yeah, I, I mean, the market, longer-term bonds are already priced for those decreases. So to, to some extent, you need to see more decreases than are already priced into the market, in a way. Okay. Can't wait. Like, is this a trend? Because if we're going to plot the certainty of your, your, your predictions, like we're on a pretty steep curve. Like, is the next one going to be even further out? Or are we going to come, <laughs> are we, are we going to come back towards the, the median? We're going to come back towards center here with this one, and and I'm going to focus on the stock market for this one. So my prediction related to stocks is that the Magnificent Seven, Magnificent Seven stocks, which is a representation of five kind of growthy tech-related stocks, the, the value of those seven stocks as a percentage of the S&P 500 will fall throughout this year. Oh, throughout the year. Okay. Throughout the year. Yesterday. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So on one day, yeah, I won't (laughs) claim victory for that, but over the course of the year. So these seven companies, as of the end of 2023, represent over 30% of the SP 500. That's the US stock market. So I guess really what I'm saying here is that they're going to underperform the US stock market as a whole uh, throughout 2024. Uh, They started just for some context, they started 2023 around 20% of the U.S. stock market. So these these seven companies grew from 20% to 30% of the overall stock market. And just as a reminder for people, S&P 500 means 500 stocks. So that's a pretty concentrated market in seven individual companies. It's not a Nortel Canadian perspective, but yeah, no, it's absolutely getting up there. Yeah, it's interesting this... In order for that to happen, there's there's two variables there: the value of everything else or the value of those seven. Yeah. So, what predicted you? Are you predicting that their value is going to fall, or that the others are going to catch up? You got to pay extra for bonus prediction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! Everybody wants to know, Josh. Uh, I'm not predicting either. I just am predicting or or seeing that these the, the valuation of these companies is is very very high. And these are massive companies with very high valuations. And as the saying goes, trees don't grow to the sky. Now, you could look back five years ago and say, look at the five most valuable companies at that time. And these were already massive trees and they did grow to the sky. They grew more. They've even taken market share as a portion of the overall overall stock market. So I'm sort of going a little bit contra to the herd uh, in terms of the way that things have gone over the last 15 years with this prediction. But it's just from the perspective of there's there's a lot of hype around these, these companies right now, even though they're already massive companies. So how big can they really get? How much can they really grow? And if you see a misstep or one or two or a few of them along the way, then that's going to be a high hurdle for them. Well, and I also think the question is how much is the AI, you know, Hype 
entry into these names. Now, we, we can argue and debate as to how much it's going to directly impact any one of the seven, but I think they are generally getting caught up with the AI is coming. The big oh, no. tech firms are going to do great. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I, I'll a supplemental prediction. I, I think that the the investability of AI is going to wane a little bit this year. I think some some shine is going to come off that rose. And people are going to be maybe a little less excited about the investment. I think we've seen the first wave of real big enthusiasm bidding up a whole bunch of companies. I think there's going to be a sober second thought. It's going to occur this year that it's, wait a second, maybe this isn't investable yet. And I think it's going to become a little a little more, uh, there's going to be some more prudence when it comes to investing in these things going forward, which is not going to help the Magnificent Seven. Although I, I think it's cool that you get jackets done up the same Magnificent Seven. That's one of the better, you know, the better naming things that's happened in the last. That's probably my favorite naming thing from last year. Yeah, that, that that's fair. It's uh, better than Bandmag or whatever we were using for a while as an acronym. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, but I'm glad you you mentioned AI because my next prediction has to do with that, and it doesn't have anything to do with the investability of AI. But my thought is that AI will take another large leap forward in 2024. I feel like we're kind of in the early 2000s stage of the internet for AI. And at that time, as you're talking about, there was a lot of lot of hype, a lot of um, very high expectations around internet companies at the time. And the internet was truly revolutionary. I think we can look back and say that with conviction. And it changed a lot of lives for a lot of people. And there were a lot of companies that made a ton of money off of internet and network-related things. And I think all of that is going to be true for AI. But there were also a lot of companies that were way overhyped, went totally bust in the early 2000s, and were way, way, way overvalued at the time. And I think that's also probably going to be true for AI. I think that's the, the step that we have to get through. And I don't know whether we're, whether that's going to be a this year thing or a multi-year thing, because the, yeah. the appetite for investing in AI far exceeds the availability of solid investable opportunities. So what are we going to do? We're going to manufacture shit and we're going to put <laughs> shit out there that says AI on it Yeah, you know, because you know, that's, that's a business model and you can raise capital that way. So you're going to get your pets.com and all the other names that actually never did anything back in the day. And we're going to invent new things. Gonna have to dust off your textbooks and go back and look for peg ratios, Josh. I don't know if you remember what a peg ratio is, but yeah, you know, when, you, when you run out of E and you, you have a P, you, know, you, you need to have something else in there. So you have to find a G in order to make that that ratio work. Again. Yeah, I see. I uh, I'm less convinced that we're going to have that sober second thought this year. I think it's going to happen at some point, but I I would say probably going to have more drunk second thoughts this year and then the sobriety will come the year after well, that's true. <laughs> or, or something. I, yeah. Well, that's funny. I'm a bit on both sides of it. I think that you're going to see some smaller stuff show that's going to get a lot of hype. But I think that the, 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 the shine's going to come off the rose for the, some of the bigger players this year. So I think both, I think those two things can happen in tandem a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch it play for sure. Sure. So another large trend, I'll, I hesitate to call it a mega trend. Everyone calls everything mega trends these days, but super trend, super trend. Yeah, a little bit less than mega. I think the maybe the story of 2024 from like a popular culture 
loosely related to economy type of thing will be healthcare. So I, I'd say that that for 2023 was AI. And I think we started to get a trickle of AI, excuse me, AI stuff coming through AI information, AI hype in late 2022. And that just kind of flourished through 2023. Like ChatGPT, for example, launched in late 2022. And that just led to the real AI boom for 2023. I think for this year, it's going to be healthcare and specifically pharma and biotech and drug-related companies because I've been seeing some extremely fascinating, very hype-worthy, I'll call it hype-worthy, uh, information and data points coming out of this space this year. Well, it'll be interesting. So that, that that's a that's a pretty wide space, and, you know, in, in most people's brains, science doesn't have those unique components. You know, it's more of a, a slow grind direction. Like, you know, there's not going to be one study that comes out or, or one domino that's going to fall. It's going to be just super revolutionary. That's doesn't tend to be how that kind of progress happens. But yeah, it's, it's great to be optimistic. And I hope that, you know, we see enough. It'd be nice for it to get some positive momentum. So we can have enough good news come out in a short enough period of time that generates that momentum, that interest. That would be a very healthy thing, you know, in my opinion. Because again, you go looking for the good news, you find these little tidbits of you know, these new studies, this new drug, or this new reaction, this new treatment, or whatever. And it, it could take two years before you actually have it, you know, in the local pharmacy or in the local hospital, things like that. So it would be nice. I'm hopeful. I'm not. I'm not going to endorse this. This, this prediction. I'm, I'm going to add my hope you're right to this. this I, I, and I'm not saying that we're going to have all these things that are curing cancer massively available this year. That That's not, it, it's more so, I think this could be the story of the year, you know, that this, this, the hype builds over the course of 2024 and it becomes a real thing that's dominating people's discussions with their, their cab driver or their bartender starting to talk about some of these these things the way that I think AI has dominated those discussions this year. Um, so you mentioned that there's not often a eureka moment. So I was listening to a podcast about how these, these um, they're, they're called GLP drugs, but things like Ozempic, which has been in the news quite a bit, uh, there's a few drugs like that that are targeted towards diabetes, but now seem to have a lot more benefits for obesity. And they discovered the these drugs by studying a lizard, a lizard that has some enzyme or I'm not a scientist, so I'm going to screw all this up, but something within this lizard that helps it suppress its appetite. So that, to me, that's kind of a Eureka mode. Like that's crazy. Well, listen, when you go in and start reading that stuff, and I'd love to go read it too, and this was years ago, that there was a lab somewhere in Quebec where they were crossing spider DNA with goat DNA because on a molecular level, spider web is the most powerful substance naturally occurring in nature. And they were trying to take those proteins and, and, and have it secreted in goat's milk so they could use it for all of these wonderful you know, technologies they're building. I don't know how many legs the goat had, but <laughs> it's just really interesting when you start reading that stuff that, wow, yeah. that could be a thing one day. That could be a game changer. So, Well, this sounds a lot like Spider-Man. It sounds a lot like Spider-Man. But th this is this is real. Like this, These drugs yeah. are actually available on the market and have positive, very, very, very positive effects in, in humans. So 
Um, it's not like this is some some pipe dream. And I've heard other things like we are making significant progress on gene editing to the extent that we think we can cure sickle cell. Somebody mentioned to me recently, who's a healthcare analyst, that the um, th there's a potential cure for type one diabetes in the in the midst being tested right now, and, and things that again are not totally out of the realm of possibility. Sure. Something that is somewhat reasonable. These all these things on their own could have a massive, massive positive economic impact. I was looking at uh, some data on obesity and what it costs. Just the the uh, American economy on a yearly basis, and it was estimated in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine that it costs about 190 billion in direct medical expenses and about 131 billion in lost productivity. Yep. So if you start to even just chip away at some of that impact, then you have a massive tailwind for economies and productivity over time. Oh, absolutely. A billion here, a billion there. And pretty soon you're talking real life. You got it. <laughs> so my next one here is something that's near and dear to your heart, Colin, I know. There will be at least one significant novel investment product this year that launches. <laughs> and it will do so at exactly the wrong time. Uh, I'll up that. I want to say one a quarter. What a quarter. Okay. And, and, and I think that I, I want you to hold me accountable to this because sometimes I get so frustrated that I stop looking and I stop paying attention because my, that again, but only so many hills I can die on. So I, I'm going to suggest that at least once a quarter, there will be a non viable investor product launched. And it will be comical for, for how badly timed it is. And, 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 and again, the bonus round, it's going to be successful. They're going to be able to successfully raise capital with it. So it is going to be, you know, a good business for the, the people raising the money. Yep. And a bad investment for those investing in it. Uh, one a quarter. And uh, hold me to this. You know, let's let's have what's a quarter that you challenge me to go dig it up. I'll go find it and we'll do a podcast that includes at least a mention of my favorite bad product launch. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Bad product launch of the quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Good stuff. That's it for my list. Did you have anything else to to add, predictions wise? Well, I'm so glad that you left this big end of the field for me to play in, Josh. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of ground to cover still. I like to take our audience back through the last couple of years, the January of 2020. Let's go back to January of 2020. Everybody had predictions for what was going to happen in 2020, and the biggest story was nothing anybody saw coming. And then by the time we get to 2021, 2022, 2023, each of those years, you can say the largest, most impactful story was nothing that was seeable in January, whether you want to talk about the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the Gaza conflict, or anyone of another. I'm going to predict that one of the most meaningful things that's going to affect the economy and markets this year is something that absolutely nobody is talking about right now. And there's absolutely zero inkling of it possibly occurring. Uh, but it's going to be something that we haven't even envisioned yet. But it's going to be one of the major stories for the company. That's a really good prediction. I will endorse that. I was uh, okay. listening, I was listening to two podcasts today on trends going forward or what 2024 looks like, predictions, I guess. Economic related, of course. 
And they both said that they think it's going to be a boring 2024 economically. <laughs> this is going to be a boring economic year. So just like last year, when everybody said there was going to be a recession in 2023, this prediction of nobody expecting anything of remark for 2024, almost certainly going to be wrong. Oh, oh no. Listen, I, I, I'll bet all the money in my jeans. Like there's going to be something that's going to occur this year that comes completely out of left field that nobody's talking about right now. And it's going to become one of the big stories of the year. Uh, that's just how the planet rolls. And uh, the problem is it's starting to stretch now. Like I have to go back all the way to 2020, which is four years ago, to talk about, you know, pre-pandemic. We're sitting here pre-pandemic or planning the year out and, and how badly or how how dramatically that shifted. Everybody's focus and the direction of everything got shifted based on that event. There's people who have graduated from school since then. So they're now you know, they're post-pandemic people. Like I talked to people who didn't who weren't investing during 2008 when they had the big financial crisis, right? And interest rates have always been this low. Like there's people in this industry who have never seen these interest rates right now just beyond anything they could imagine because their whole investment career, this, this is the way it's been. So again, I, th I think that that's going to keep keep playing out going forward. And again, I can't wait to you sit here and hold my, my, my knees to the fire next year and say, okay, what was it? And make me pick something. Yeah, well, we will. We will. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening. And that's probably a good point to, to end this podcast on. But we will do that year in, in review, as we do every year, to look at our predictions. And just once again, for everybody listening, don't go out and make investment ideas based off of this. It was meant to be, again, thought-provoking. And thought-provoking does not make a good investment idea. And feel free to reach out to us with suggestions for future podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, Feel free to share it all. Thanks for your attention. If you're breaking a sweat trying to figure out what your financial advisor is talking about, you're not getting the service you need. You probably hate trying to get an answer from them, but you also think moving your accounts will be a headache, and it might be. But working with DontRockTheBoatWealthPlanning.com or .ru isn't exactly stress-free, is it? Call us. We will demystify the world for you. Can Capital Management Inc. is a registered portfolio manager in all of Canada except Manitoba. So sorry, Manitoba. Nothing in this podcast should be considered as a solicitation or a recommendation to buy or sell a particular security. Statements made by the portfolio managers are intended to illustrate their approach and are meant for information and entertainment purposes only. This should not be construed as legal, tax, or accounting advice. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature, and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein, as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.